0: Live from the ESPN 690 Anichar Levine Studios.
1: This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lake. I would say it's you know us not making the plays, us uh, uh, not executing. Um, you know, again, our opponents making plays and executing. Um, we've got to play better, so, and that's really what it what it boils down to. Um, we need to we need more pressure on the quarterback. I mean, I think every team is looking for that. Um, we need to find ways to get more pressure on the quarterback, and um, that's what we that's what we've uh, we've been talking about the last few days. That is Brian Flores, head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Thought he built a lot of momentum last year in, in a tank for Tua narrative. They end up winning five games, and that big win over the Patriots, they haven't continued the momentum, Mm -hmm. uh, which is interesting. Uh, They've spent a lot of money on defense. He's a defensive guy, and their defense is really struggling. So that doesn't look good. When you go make adjustments, they're really, again, they're secondary. They're highly invested in, from draft picks to dollars. And it's not paying off right now. And even against, I think I said earlier, against a runner like 29th in the league. So it's two games. It's too small of a sample to, that's not saying that's who they are. That's what concerns me a little bit tonight, actually, because I think they'll be desperate and they'll probably play better than what they've played. Yeah. And the big story here tonight, and keep an eye on this uh, category, the Dolphins have allowed 10 of 20 on third-down conversions. It means you can't get off the field. Mm-hmm. The Jaguars are number one in the NFL in third-down in conversions, uh, 62.5%. So that is a huge storyline tonight to watch. And if that continues, Jags are going to win the game. If it doesn't, well, Miami has a real good chance. Listen, and keep in mind who we're talking about right now with Brian Flores,
2: right? Like, Got his start um, as a special team assistant coach with the New England Patriots. Worked his way up to be a safeties coach, a linebackers coach. And then actually, as that linebackers coach, technically was calling the plays on defense, right? So this is a very proud guy in terms of playing solid defense and obviously coming from a coaching tree who, you know, obviously preaches great defense. And, and right now, for lack of a better word, the Dolphins have not even played close to decent defense. It's been very porous and it's been... um Kind of a travesty, to say the least. So I think right now you have a situation with Flores where it's like, guys, we have to get something going. And keep in mind where he's coming from as well. Whether it's Bill O'Brien, whether it's Vrabel, whether it's Bill Belichick, this is a defense that you're going to see a lot of different looks. right? This is a defense that just they don't have one kind of calling card. They adjust their defense to who they're playing. So I'm curious to see what the plan's going to be coming up against Gardner Minshew. Obviously, the Jaguars like to throw the ball around a lot. I'm curious to see if Brian Flores can put his team up to be successful on defense and put his playmakers in the position to make the plays.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he can do it. Also, be interested to see if the Jaguars' defense can be improved. This is two defenses that are backpedaling right now. For being completely honest, uh, they haven't made enough plays in the early going, in, and we'll see if they can make the adjustments mm-hmm. on a short week. And that includes Josh Allen. He's really the leader of this defense on the on the defensive side of things for the Jaguars. Uh, he joined us earlier in the week on Monday. Said he wasn't frustrated with. No sacks. Uh, he's getting ribbed a little bit by teammates about not having any sacks. Yeah. So they're even having some fun with it. It's still very light. It's early on. And you know they're going to come in bunches. And tonight's Thursday Night Football. What it means to these players. What it means to Josh Allen. I caught up with Josh Allen yesterday. And here's our conversation.
3: Definitely is a quick turnaround. But uh, you know I'm looking forward to the matchup. Uh, we get to play Thursday night. We'll be the only team playing. So... Uh, a lot of everybody's going to be watching us, so now we get the ball and perform and just, you know, be stars, be stars.
1: Hey, the NFL is such a big thing, right? I mean, we all, if you make a play, everybody across the country can see you make a play. Mm-hmm. But when we ask guys about playing in primetime, this Thursday night game, it does feel like it means a little something more. Maybe because the rest of uh, the NFL is watching you guys, yeah. too. Why does it mean a little bit more playing in primetime on a Thursday night when nobody else is playing?
3: I mean, uh compared to Thursday night, Monday night, Sunday night, it's everybody's watching uh There's not a lot of games on other than that, especially Thursday, we're the only team playing uh so you know it's just all eyes, all eyes on us and and I like the I like the attention we we all like the attention, so now we get to bring uh we get to show the world because you know not everybody gets to watch us play. You know, I mean, we have a lot of 12 o'clock games and they got this game on, this game on, this game on. So it's going to be hard to really, you know, pick and choose a game to watch. And Thursday night, Monday night, whatever, you know, it's only one team to watch. Uh, So, you know, I'm excited. The guys are excited too. So uh, uh man, we're ready to get it going.
1: Do you guys care what people say? And I know the quick answer here is no. Uh, But on this kind of night, where you've already maybe surprised some people one and one, the way you guys have played, you get to kind of change people's opinions about Jacksonville, about the Jaguars of 2020, which as you know, we're not very good coming into the season.
3: I mean, uh, like you said, no, Uh, we're focusing on each other, uh, ourselves. Uh, We're just trying to win as many games as we can. Uh, You know, the outside noise, the outside people are going to say what they need to say. They're going to think we this, think we that. Uh, they don't know what we go through inside this locker room and on the field together. So, uh, like I said, we're looking forward to this matchup, and, uh, you know, we're trying to shock the world.
1: Hey, uh, why do you guys like this team so much? Doug Marone said it before the season. You have said it now that we've had you on a couple of weeks in a row. What is, what is it about this team that you like so much?
3: I mean, uh, we all play for each other uh, defensively. I know we're all one sound. Uh we try to move as one. Uh you know, if you're not we with like if you're not the guy making the play and your teammates making the play and you're doing your job for that person to make the particular play and you're not busting gaps, you're not trying to do anything extra, you just do your job, do it right, and just play for each other. And I feel like that's how everybody on this defense is. Uh you know, if I do my job right, the guy right next to me might make the play, you know, and then that's that's as big as me making the play for myself. So, you know, we have a lot of guys like that. And then offensively, you know, it's just, you know, guys, we don't need to give certain people the ball all the time. I don't know. Uh, but I can't really speak on the offense. I just, a lot of great guys. Gardner is a great dude. Offensive lines are all great individuals. James, you know, is starting to talk a little bit more. Uh and then the receiver core, I feel like our receiver core is pretty legit. Uh Mr. R-Pro, I feel like DJ Chark, uh he's going to shock. He's going to take over the uh t- take over the league in a couple years now and this year. Uh and then Laviska, I mean, that dude is just a freak of an athlete and I can't wait and I just love watching him play. So we got a really good team, man, and uh a special one at that. So I'm excited about it.
1: You seem like you really enjoy watching the offense play. I think I asked you about this the other day, too. But, I mean, you know, you're you're busy enough on the sideline, catching your breath, looking at film a little bit. But mm-hmm. you, you peek up and watch those guys play a little bit, huh?
3: Man, yeah, I love watching them play. I love when, you know, I love watching the offensive line really just move people, just, like, block the crap out of people. You know what I mean? It's just because I see those guys every day, and I see those guys as not, you know the big aggressive ones that they act that they really play like, and just to watch him play is just something to see. And uh, it's just I just love watching. I love Gardner. I love Gardner when he drops back pass because he's out. You never know what's going to happen with him. Uh, he's in that. He's in there shaking and moving, doing everything, making people miss. And uh, then you have James just just toting the rock extremely well. And then we have you know big time receivers that make big time plays. It's just a good offense. You know, not a lot of offenses are really balanced like that. And I feel like we have one of the best and, you know, we've definitely been showing that.
1: So much attention this offseason on stopping the run. First two weeks you guys have been pretty good at stopping the run, uh, at Mm -hmm. least from a statistical standpoint. How does it look on film? What are you guys doing well against the run so far?
3: Uh, Like I said, we're doing our jobs. Uh, We're not doing, we're not trying to do too much. Uh, We have linebackers that are coming downhill quick, fast. And they're setting up uh, double teams, so to make our, our defensive line makes a lot more plays. And Miles is just having a phenomenal first two games, and hope he continues to play well. I know he is, and uh, so we just gotta just continue. We just gotta continue to keep playing together, which we have been. And I don't know, man. It's just this this defense, man. You know, Coach Wash really emphasized stop and run is priority number one. Uh, you know, he said the easiest thing to do in the NFL is just to hand the ball off. And that's something we don't want to make it easy for teams to do on us. And um, so we can have opportunities to rush the passer more. And I know we have to do a better job at that. And uh, we took responsibility on that, and we're going to do a better job this week.
1: There is a lot on you, second-year player, captain. Uh, one of the leaders of this team already, even though you're a young guy in the NFL, coming off a Pro Bowl year and a big season, how are you doing with all that? Uh, you got a lot of these responsibilities, talking with us a couple of times a week. How are you handling it the first couple of weeks?
3: I mean, I'm loving it. Uh, it's, it just comes with the responsibility. Uh, that's how I take about. It. That's how I think about it. I've always been a guy to accept responsibility in whatever we do, hold myself accountable, and I hold my teammates accountable, and they know that. And uh just for me personally, uh, you know, it's been it's been fun. Um, you know, we've been playing really well lately and we continue to play well and I'm just trying to do as much as I can to help this team win. And that's all I can do. the plays come to me, the plays don't come to me, I'm gonna do I'm gonna be in my gaps, I'm gonna do what we need to do, not miss an assignment and uh hopefully it can work out for somebody else next to me and so I'm just gonna continue to do what I do. Hopefully, you know more plays will come to me. But I got a good feeling about this week, so ready to get rolling.
1: Ryan Fitzpatrick, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. He's a Harvard guy, smart guy. Yeah. Can you tell that? Can you can you see the way he processes stuff on film? Whether you're playing against him, I mean, does that show up?
3: I mean, he's a really savvy guy, a uh, really savvy vet uh, for a guy. Of, uh who's been in the league for a very long time who's played on many different teams it seems that he gets comfortable wherever he's at and they just let him run the show and he does a you know a really good job of you know running the show for his offense and uh you know when you get a guy that age you know who's not supposed to be moving like that who's moving like that is kind of really unexpected uh so we all had to do a good job in keeping him in the pocket cuz he's a good scramble guy and uh him just dissecting plays he makes a lot of good plays on his feet. Um, you know, he has a good arm. Uh, so we have to do, you know, do a great job as a defensive line to contain this man and uh, get to him early and uh, staying, keeping that pressure on him on game.
1: All right, lastly, Thursday night game, prime time, everybody watching. When you enter the stadium, uh, drive up to TIAA Bankfield, you get out, I don't know, maybe it's, what, 4 o'clock, something like that, 4.30. Mm-hmm. Now you already have your outfit picked out. You gotta get good looking haircut. I mean you got shades on I mean is this important? I mean in the NBA we see Russell Westbrook and LeBron James and all those guys. I mean, is this important to you? You have to look good entering the stadium.
3: Oh yeah. Uh I mean my outfits are picked out by my wife. My wife picks out all my outfits, so she has she already has my outfits lined up for whoever we play. So, you know, wherever she picks out, that's what I'm wearing. But uh so, I'll, so I don't have to think about it. You know, as she said, that's one thing I don't have to worry about is what I have to wear. Because last year I was trying to scramble everywhere, find outfits. But Thursday night game, man, I got to look good. I think my wife picked out a really good outfit. It's a little casual fit. uh, But but yeah, I'm excited about this week, though. I'm excited. Oh, dang, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Excited about tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow night, 8 o'clock? 8 o'clock. Hey. gonna be a good one, and I hope to see you there.
1: Yeah, we're excited about it, too, man. Go play well. Thanks for uh, joining us for a few minutes. Yes, sir. That is
3: Josh Allen.
1: <laughs> like I said, I said this yesterday. You guys live in a bubble sometimes. Like, hey, oh, wait a minute. That's tomorrow. Obviously, we did the interview yesterday. Yeah. Uh, played some on Jaguars All-Access. Play a little bit more of that tonight <laughs> on Countdown to Kickoff. Of course, you can watch all of our TV coverage starts at 630 and it will go up until 8 o'clock, and the game uh, is on Fox 30 as well. That's at 8.20, so uh, getting closer and closer to kickoff time for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, just to revisit something from the top of the show, because I think it's a big storyline, if you're just jumping in, DJ Chark will not play in this game. He's out for the game, and so is Josh Lamble, so is Brandon Linder. I mean, That's quite a few guys that have prominent roles for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll see what happens with the kicking game and Brandon Wright. This rookie kicker. Well, we're pretty confident in Tyler Shatley. You know, I think people have said (laughs) for a long time, like, "Are you kidding me?" Shatley made the team again. He's still on this team. team." Well, I think it's for moments like this. If you ask yourself, "Hey, Tyler Shatley, do a nice job last week?" I think he did. Uh, If you're okay with him rather than some guy you haven't seen play, I think you're probably like, "I'm rather okay. I'm okay with Shatley playing." Mm -hmm. Especially given it looks like the rest of the offensive line is playing pretty good football right now. So. It really comes down to DJ Chark, and Chark is a big part of it. In my opinion, this is a big blow uh, to this football team, to the offense that has been very good in the first couple of weeks, and to a quarterback that no doubt his favorite target is DJ Chark. It might not always show up in the stat column that way, but his comfort zone with DJ is really good, and he's established himself as a pro bowler and a, a you know a blossoming young ta- talent. Uh, if nothing else. So he doesn't play. I assume D.D. Westbrook will be up. How curious are you to watch D.D. Westbrook play? And does this feel like a last stand of sorts for D.D. Westbrook? His contract expiring. He was healthy scratched the first couple of games. The trade deadline looms. Chark isn't going to be out for long. He's just probably missing this game. Is this a show-me moment? For D.D. Westbrook? Two ways you could go here. The first possibility,
2: which I think is the more common-sense possibility, is, listen, I'm not sure if the Jaguars knew how far in advance that D.J. Tark wasn't going to play. I really assume it was a game-time decision. I think he wants to play the yeah. prime-time no, game. I think they seriously and made think, the decision yeah. this morning. Yeah. Exactly. So with that being said, um, and the way I think Gruden does things like, listen, you could say that Diddy Westbrook's gonna play and that's great, but once again, how many guys can be rotating in? Don't forget about Colin Johnson, right? Keelan Cole, LaVisca Chenault, Tyler, right? Like there's a lot of guys um that are gonna get receptions here. And there's a lot of guys to focus on. So my concern for D.D. Westbrook would be, okay, you get your playing time, but how much of the game plan are you in? Now sure you can get maybe four or five targets here, but my point is how much of, like, you know, are these routes going to be tailored to you? Because that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing Jay Gruden kind of tailor some routes to, like, for instance, Eifert last week in Tennessee. A couple of those routes were for Tyler Eifert. The the, the whole game plan was to get Tyler Eifert going. Okay? So with that being said, I'm not sure if D.D. Westbrook falls in that category. The other side, though, and the more, I guess, ambitious side you could go to, is if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars right now, you like your team. Okay? You like your team. You like your offense, but you might need some more pieces on defense, right? And we just talked about, you know, the trade deadline coming up here in a couple weeks or so. So with that being said, do you showcase D.D. Westbrook on a primetime game, give him all the targets that he can handle, showcase him to every single every like other NFL team and be like, hey, man, he's got something left in the tank. Is anybody interested in D.D. Westbrook? And then you use that to possibly trade him. It's a great
1: point. That's where I was going to eventually get. I got you. Is this a show-me game for D.D. Westbrook saying, hey, I should be out there because look what I can do. And that's something for the Jag. That's what he should be trying to do. Yeah. But he's also doing it for the rest of the league. And do the Jaguars try to even showcase him a little bit? Because this might be the only time he plays this significant role. And look what he did. Mm -hmm. D.J. comes back next week. Everybody else is healthy. And they continue to play like they're playing. Well, D.D. could be the odd man out. Nothing wrong with what he's doing, but he's just the odd man out uh, on game day. And the last tape anybody in the NFL saw was D.D. Westbrook do this, this, and this. So it could be, for both parties, a very big game for D.D. Westbrook. And uh, I don't know if he survives on the Jags roster after the trade deadline. It's very hard to predict that. One will anybody be interested? I think yes is the answer to that because teams will be banged up. I think the other side of that is the Jacks have to protect themselves from being banged up. Mm -hmm. Very unique to go through a season without your receiving core not getting dinged a bit or maybe losing someone for the year. Fortunately, in this case, is DJ Chark is just going to miss this game, and most of it because it's a short week. But here we are, and they already need D.D., and they're probably pretty happy they have D.D. Westbrook than anybody else that they would have put in there. Mm -hmm. So it's a big game kind of to see where... It potentially is a big game to see where Dee Dee Westbrook lives, yeah. what zip code, in
2: well, October sometime. Also, don't forget about Chris Conley, too, right? So it begs the question like, I mean, like, okay, let's talk about like this. If we see Dee Dee Westbrook out there the first play of the series, is that going to show that they're trying to showcase him off? Because let's be honest, I think Chris Conley's still a heck of a receiver, right? And obviously, Chanel's doing his thing, and Keelan Cole for, I think, what you and I both believe is going to be like the, the, the starting one receiver, let's just say, from that category. So if we see Dee Westbrook out there play number one today, what is that going to tell us?
1: Yeah, be interesting. I think here's the thing about D. D. Westbrook for me: if you take Lavisca Chenault off this team, say mm-hmm. they didn't draft him, D. Westbrook is the guy that you can use on a lot of different things for Jay Gruden. To yeah. me, he's that guy. He's the one that you're moving all around. You're putting in motion. That's what we the was Jets be last year. We did, and, yeah. and occasionally it was. I mean, they, they didn't. Ex- they didn't not show any of that. They mm-hmm. did some, and when they did that, it was with Dee D. Westbrook. But in Jay Gruden's offense, what we've seen already, and I'm not saying D.D. Westbrook's going to be in the wildcat, but he's going to be the guy in some of the motion stuff that we've seen. Mm-hmm. He's the one that's kind of moving all over the place. Uh, so what now with D.D. Westbrook being able to move all over the place and LaVisca Chennault being able to move all over the place? Are there a couple of new things you can do, new wrinkles you can wing do? Wing T, Brent, wing T. Uh, did they practice any of it, too, yeah. on a short week, right? Probably not. So uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they use him, if they use him. The other guy that comes to mind in this conversation is Colin Johnson. Colin Johnson uh, looked uh, – well, he had the one catch uh, the first week. Well, Sunday against Tennessee – Minshew throws a shade too high for him, mm-hmm. and uh, he took a little bit of a hit on that play, but in the end, zone, Which, he the was
2: way, going to him. Hard to do on Kyle Johnson.
1: Throw yeah, too high. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. Uh, but I love the fact that he was in there, and they were going to him in the red zone, right? Yeah. Uh, because that's what we said. Then he has the tip play where the spacing looked a little off, and also six foot six might have got in the way <laughs> of that. Correct. Maybe a bit of bad luck, maybe a bit of spacing, who knows. But will they feature him more? Because he had such a good August, we've only seen a sprinkle of him in the first two weeks. Now with DJ Chark out, do you see more Colin Johnson and what he can do? Match him up because he can be match up problems, or do you get D.D. Westbrook in there more? I think that's an interesting chess game tonight.
2: It's a great chess game. I think especially in the red zone, Brent. Because let's be honest here, I'm not sure if Flores and the Miami Dolphins know who Colin Johnson is right now. And you know what? Hopefully they're not listening to our to our stream or they're listening to our radio show. Because we're about to tell you, okay? I think Colin Johnson, when we said it, he looked great in training camp, probably one of the best breakout guys we saw of, of all training camp. And we've seen glimpses here or there in the first two games. But I think, like, when you put him down in the red zone, you put him on the outside, Brent, one of two things are going to happen with the Miami Dolphins, or if you do choose to use him in this game. It's going to be one-on-one coverage, and guess what? If it's one-on-one coverage on the outside, like my chances, or you got to put a safety over there just to help out a little bit. Right, and if you do that, well, then someone else is probably going to be open. Like to me, like, and I don't, I don't ever want to call Colin Johnson a decoy because he's not a decoy. Okay, but I'm just saying that his size, his stature, his athleticism, and his playmaking ability, to me right now, if it doesn't already, it commands attention from defenses. Okay, and when you have Tyler Eifert in the middle, and you have Colin Johnson outside, in that red zone, Brent, you got something special. I think.
1: Yeah, it, it's a great variety of receivers. I mean, all you have to do is look at their height, and it's like, wow, I haven't seen that around here. You know, yeah. and, and not a lot of people can do that uh, across the NFL. I mean, you just don't get that. So I, I, I'm fascinated to see. I mean, Gruden has been so good in these first two weeks. How do they replace DJ Chark, and what chess pieces move around because DJ's not there? See, I think Chris Conley's going to get his regardless. I, I don't think his role changes that much, and maybe it does. I just don't think it does. Mm-hmm. I don't really think Keelan Cole's role changes too much. I don't really think LaVisca's role changes too much. I just think you're going to do what you do with that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Keelan Cole's role does change. I think he now becomes the primary guy tonight going into this game. And then I just don't know where Colin Johnson fits in terms of more attention from Gardner Minshew and targets or the use of D.D. Westbrook uh, and how they do that. To me, that's I'm looking at those three guys tonight. Yeah. Does D.D. play a lot of snaps? Does Colin Johnson get more snaps, more targets? Does Keelan Cole just become the go-to guy because he leads the team in receptions and he's looked really good ever since they took the field in, in late July? Those are the things I'm looking for in offense. I
2: think at least what I'm looking for is when you're in the red zone, you use Colin Johnson. And if he's got one-on-one coverage, Throw it up there. Let him catch it. and Let's see that with one of those standing backflip celebrations. And also, Chris Conley, feel free to get involved as well, man. With your 48-inch vertical, let's see you do a double backflip because you should probably be able to do it with that kind of vertical. So let's they, see that as well. They do have some kind of athleticism now Who on you that receiving core. Think, think about that. Think about Colin Johnson doing a backflip. Think about Chanel, how crazy that dude is. And think about the highest vertical jump of all time at the combine in
1: Chris Conley. You're have one heck of a volleyball. Tournament in that receiving oh, room. I was going to say basketball, but you yeah, have volleyball. Basketball. Yeah,
2: know you got volleyball. You're fine. Yeah. I see what your but, uh, but
1: that doesn't just because you can jump doesn't make you a good basketball player. I know. And if you can jump, probably yeah. makes you a pretty good volleyball yeah,
2: player. Yeah, yeah. I go ask Larry Bird how that worked out for him. I know. I get it. <laughs> what, what one dunk in his entire career? It's all good.
1: It was pretty sweet, and I think it was reverse. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you never saw the highlight of Bird driving the baseline and stuffing it home under the reverse one handed jam. No, I've never seen that. You should a lineup, it up. Wasn't
2: it? We, we playing playground hoops. What is this? It was you're playing street ball. Fly slam a gem ass. <laughs> oh, wow! What disrespect the fly slam? He's not going to dunk it in those twenty pound a piece Converse <laughs> weapons.
1: There's no way. <laughs> those were the lightest You're doing, you're on doing Earth.
2: yourself a disservice by wearing those. It's like
1: wearing two bricks on your feet. Speaking of the Celtics, what the heck was that fourth quarter? Oh, Brad Stevens, what's going on, man? Marcus Smart, what's going on? That's a good point too. Jason Tatum, very good in the second half, but Tyler Hero, by the way, ghosted in the first half. Tyler Hero, Tyler Hero, pretty sensational. Looks like he's 16 years old. He looks like he should be skateboarding in the X Games. (laughs) (laughs) Shots fired by Brett Martel, but yeah, he does. (laughs) Uh, We talk a little NBA. We get you set for this big game tonight in Jacksonville. Once again, Dolphins-Jags Thursday night football. On Fox 30 tonight, our coverage on TV begins at about an hour. Our coverage right here continues on ESPN 690.
2: Austin Lane. The Rock, out of nowhere, buys the XFL during a pandemic, mind you. Goes half in with his ex-wife. So now you're going to business with your ex-wife. Brent Martineau.
3: I don't
1: know if that's on the business advice list. Action Sports Jacks on
3: ESPN 690. At this point... Um uh, you know he's, he's not a rookie anymore. You know, we need his skill set. Does that mean it's going to translate into that kind of point production uh, every night? Um, no, it doesn't. I mean, we're,
2: we're not necessarily built like that. Uh, it's different guys and, and contributions from a lot of different guys. but Boston was jamming up as they tend to do. You know, first, second, sometimes third options out of what we're looking for. And, and Tyler was able to generate a lot of offense, you know, um, on random situations, which you need you need against a, a very
1: good defense. It's one of our favorite questions coming out of break. Who is this? Who is that guy? Yeah, Eric Spolster. The Miami Heat take a 3-1 lead. It looks like they're on their way to the NBA Finals. Uh, who will they play or could they play unless the uh, Celtics can come back Tyler Hero was a hero last mm-hmm. night, uh, great last name for sports, yeah. and delivered 37 points. He was sensational. I thought this was more about how bad Boston was than it was how good Miami was. Uh, that, and I saw most of the second half, not really the first half. But am I right on that? I mean, I thought they looked lazy and lethargic and not really sports like, on defense and off few... It was like five minutes in the fourth quarter of a desperate game. Just Somewhere between, like, the nine-minute and four- or five-minute mark of the fourth quarter. And it was just like, man, they look lazy. Like, are yeah. they trying to win here? Well, and then they, they turned they, it on, yeah. and they turned it on too late. And then they couldn't buy a three-pointer for a while either, but nah, I mean, just... some of it you're missing. I mean, yeah. Tatum obviously had a rough night in the first half. Marcus smart, though, turning the ball over. What was the turnovers? Uh, it was something crazy. It was like 18-8 to eight or something yeah. like that. And... I think it was like in the last minute, Jimmy Butler didn't catch that ball. That was like their only turnover the fourth quarter for the Miami Heat. I mean, really the game wasn't even that close at the end. The Celtics got lucky and on a couple of calls yeah i was just surprised because brad steven's teams don't usually look like that you know Mm -hmm. they looked all discombobulated lazy lethargic you throw another word in there i think they looked it
2: (laughs) listen it's kind of the story of the heat right where they can beat you so many ways obviously it revolves around jimmy butler but then last night the the three point shooting and just i guess the sheer will of tyler hero um to put his name on the map a little bit uh it just shows you just how disciplined and how well coached this Miami team, this Miami Heat team is. And, you know, Tatum had that rough first half and things like that, but Tatum can't do it all himself. You, you need players like Marcus Smart. You need players like Kemba Walker to do your part as well. And unfortunately, he didn't get that, uh, reciprocated last night. So now what? Uh, it's over? I don't want to say it's over. because what do you think? I still think there's some fight, I mean, I, I think, I think this is the Heat series.
0: Yeah, at this point, I think the Heat eventually will be the team that moves on. I do think the Celtics will get another game. Um, but I do think at the end of the day, the Heat are going to go to the, 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 finals. Yeah.
2: I mean, you look at this box score, Brent. So Bam had 20 points. Gordon Drogic, by the way, Gordon Drogic, who's coming out, coming off the bench, by the way, like, you know, he was, he was kind of the guy for a while there in Miami, comes off the bench and now it's kind of found a new home. I, mean, I say come off the bench. He's still had 39 minutes, but, um, like I said, they're just, they're an interesting team. They can beat you so many different ways. And then on the other side of things, man, we look at the game leaders, Tatum had a big night, 28
1: points. But besides that, man, just Marcus Smart, 10 points. They gotta cut it, man. Sorry. Yeah, I thought Marcus Smart was bad. Uh, I mean, there was one pass I think I finally tweeted out after it. It was just like, the spacing here was between you and me, and he tried to throw a bounce pass, yeah. like as he's driving the lane. I was like, well, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. I mean, this did not look like professional basketball at times. So, uh, hey, Miami Heat, they've proven they've been one of the best teams in the bubble, and especially in these playoffs, they've been outstanding. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine they'll relinquish the lead now to the Celtics. I uh, still think, though, I think the Lakers get it done. Do you think the Nuggets will grab the game tonight or, or what? You know, they don't like 2-2. Two, two. They really like say, going down 3-1. Hey, if so. the Lakers
2: win tonight, go ahead and give me Denver and 7. <laughs> Enough said. So, all right, Lakers, it's on you. How do you want to play this? you want to lose tonight or do you want to lose this series? No, I think the Lakers actually win this one tonight. Once again, I think the uh, the Nuggets eventually make it a series. but And I'm not one for storylines and all this stuff. I think LeBron's too good. And I think this Lakers team's too good. And eventually, uh, you know, the, the gas tank of Jamal Murray runs out a little bit. So I like the Lakers tonight.
0: Yeah, I think the Lakers are going to pull it off, but I think the, I do want. I, I think it goes a little differently. I think the Nuggets get it done tonight, but the Lakers Ooh, two, in the long two. run do.
1: Okay, that'd be interesting. Uh, I, I'm going to ride with the Lakers for now. Billy D in Chicago, good fit, good landing spot. Confusing.
0: Said he left. He left the Thunder because he didn't want to go through a rebuild. Then why'd you go to Chicago? I mean, that's my. That's where I'm at with it.
2: Because that's because you wanted to go to Philadelphia, didn't you?
0: I mean, maybe that yeah. would have been a little nice. See, but, see, but I'm he's just, putting the motion into listen, it. You're putting the motion into no, it. No, you said you left the Thunder because you want you didn't want to go through a rebuild, which is what the Thunder potentially are going <laughs> Imagine to Imagine believing
2: do. what coaches say all the time. Uh, uh, imagining when coaches exit out of one place that you actually believe what they're saying.
0: I'm just saying. Like, I know.
2: I hear you. Well, you could have made it less also, obvious.
1: They just couldn't rebuild quick enough, and it wasn't going maybe with the way he wanted to in, in Oklahoma City. Maybe he gets a little mm. bit more control well, over the here. the Bulls.
0: The Bulls are a little further along in terms of a rebuild, depending on if you believe what they're doing, so... I guess that makes a little bit of a sense.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's like I kind of echoed when we were talking about Billy Donovan a couple weeks ago, where it's like, I think if he does go to a new NBA team, it goes to a team that is actually rebuilding a little bit, and it's kind of a clean slate of players. We saw when he first went to Oklahoma City, and he had James Harden, and he had, I'm sorry, he didn't have James Harden, he had um Kevin Durant, and he had Russell Westbrook, like, it just, it did not work there, because, like, Donovan's the type of guy who's got a great basketball mind, but it has to be done his way. He's not like this Steve Kerr-type coach who's kind of, you know, set it and forget it, sit back and enjoy the show. Like, Donovan wants to have his fingerprint a little more on that team. And I think the Bulls are a perfect team. I think they're a clean slate. I think they're, uh, let's just call them like a jar of clay right now that you can mold in your own image, and I think Billy Donovan can do that.
1: All right, we'll see if he's able to do it. Billy Day to Chicago. We've got, uh, obviously, some NBA hoops coming up tonight, including on ESPN 690. It'll be live, local, and loud right after us, and then... It is Game 4 between the Lakers and Nuggets. We'll hand off to that at 8.30 tonight here on ESPN 690. Make sure you check out Live Local Loud right after us, and then uh, the NBA playoffs on ESPN 690. Hey, a conversation uh, that I thought we might have yesterday or the day prior, but we didn't get to, and I want to have it. The Hayden Hurst and Dak Prescott exchange, very brief, all of maybe 16 seconds. But if you don't know the background of both gentlemen, we had Hayden Hursty sat right here and uh, shared his story with us uh, for about an hour. Oh, what was that? Oh, gosh, was it this off season? Was that this year? It was this year. Well, it's been a long yeah. Year. It was, but it was pre-pandemic. Long, long. It was yeah. Obviously, obviously right before free right. agency. Yeah. Um, I think. Well, no, because he got traded, so it wasn't free agency. But
2: remember? No, but we try to get him like. Remember, we try to <laughs> yeah. get him on the on February the January
0: twenty-first.
1: Wow, you remember how did you see that? That I quickly?
0: posted the photo with him. Ah,
1: very ah, uh, there he goes. Uh, so February, Clout Jason. Hey, that was, it came in handy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. February. So it was right after Super Bowl time. Yeah, Ends yeah. up getting traded from the Ravens. They were so loaded at tight end yeah. to the Falcons. Actually scored a touchdown uh, last week for the yeah. Falcons and their high powered offense. So it was off to a good start with them. But it was after the game, the Atlanta Falcons, uh, their team website and social media had him mic'd up or yeah. they got mic'd up from the NFL films and went over to Dak Prescott and just gave him his appreciation for using his platform about mental health. Mm-hmm. Hayden Hurst has suffered through some things, suffered through depression, uh admittedly mm-hmm. uh tried to take his own life yeah. uh after some rough goings and now he's bounced back and look what he's doing and, and he's a great success story, but he's willing to share his story and talk about it. Awesome. Uh, recently in the player's tribune to a lot of different folks, including us earlier in February and here's Dak Prescott doing the same thing. Uh, and we recently had the conversation about it. Uh, he went on Graham Bensinger's show mm-hmm. and shared his bouts with anxiety and depression, especially after the death of his brother his suicide and the pandemic and everything else. Well, the story coming out of that was really some of the criticism he took. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, it wasn't about criticism. It was more applause for sharing your platform. Mm-hmm. And so in this exchange, Hayden Hurst goes up to him again, very short exchange says, Hey, uh, he appreciated him doing that. Uh, and if they can ever join together on, on what they're trying to do and use their platform. And Dak Prescott said, yeah, let's do it, basically. Yeah. Uh, that's the Cliff Notes version. But it was a really powerful 16 seconds mm-hmm. of Dak Prescott Hayden Hurst following a football game mm-hmm. and shows you the platform of sports in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was genuine and pretty cool to see.
2: Yeah. It's really cool when you can use your platform of professional sports. And you bring it back down to the human level. Where everyone puts you on a pedestal and you purvey the fact that, hey, even though I'm on this pedestal right now and I'm doing really well in my life or you think I'm doing very well, I'm human just like everybody else. So with with that being said, you know, and Brent, I like that because you, you talked about when you enter the arena, when you're playing sports, right? And you enter the arena and you enter, you know, the field or the basketball court, you're entering an arena. Hayden Hurst essentially did the exact same thing where when you enter that arena when when you say that you've had problems when you say that you know you try to take your own life you can't go back from that like once that that's out in the airwaves that follows you for the rest of your life yeah so that's another example of entering the arena and he put it on his shoulders he put it on himself to say you know what i had some you know some rough couple years um maybe made some bad decisions but i'm a better man for it now and i want to talk about it and i want to share it to everybody else who possibly is going through it as well So I have such admiration and respect for Hayden Hurst because, once again, he entered the arena. You know, he didn't have to come out and say what he did, and he had to come out and say how everything went down, but he did. And that's probably even more impressive than entering the arena as a football player. Dak Prescott, another prime example. And we always talk about the quarterback position being the double standard, right? Like, you can't go out with the guys after the game to the bars. Uh, you can't do all these things just because, like, you're the quarterback, you're the face of the franchise, and expectations um, are just different from you compared to your teammates. Dak Prescott comes out and says how exactly he is feeling going through bouts of depression. Now, like you said, Brent, for the most part, it was received with well graces and well wishes. And a, a a small minority of those people wanted to rip him for it, saying you're a quarterback. You're supposed to be the leader of the team and you're having mental issues. What kind of leader are you supposed to be? Now, I don't agree with those sentiments, right? They were said. Even some pretty big, big big-wig media people said those type of things. And I come from the philosophy where if you question someone's mental toughness, if you question someone's mental sanity, whatever it is, I think you're less than human, man. All right? Because I think, like, I don't care if it's all for a show. I don't care if you're trying to put on an act. You shouldn't say that about somebody, okay? Because you don't know what they're going through. So, with that being said, I thought it was the the culmination of that moment after a rough football game for the Falcons, obviously. You lost a heartbreaker. For Hayden Hurst to kind of seek out Dak Prescott, to kind of seek out that beacon, um, you know, the, the, that camaraderie, if you will, I thought it was a very special moment, and I look forward to seeing what they do down the line.
1: Yeah, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see if that does materialize, right? Something I think it will. that they join hands with and, yeah. and can kind of obviously it was a quick exchange change it was in that it was caught on with the microphone on camera um, but does it turn into something Uh, it'll be interesting if we're talking two three four five years down the road about these guys you know linking up in some event they don't have to do it you know, all the time, but uh, and you kind of look back on this moment, and it was created post game in a in a split second, really.
2: And, and I'm just gonna say, you
1: can tell they don't really know each other, right? No, there's exactly, no background,
2: exactly. Between the two. But the, the, they do share that in common, right? And I, I'm just gonna say this: like, I, I can't stress this enough. I think, you know, and especially nowadays, man, with teenagers and just social, like, th- th- there's a lot of just. There's a lot of rough stuff out there, man. All right, and I don't have to get in depth into it, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Just kids can be mean sometimes, and I think the fact that you see guys like Hayden Hurst, you see guys like Dak Prescott, who you think have it all. Dak Prescott just made how, how much money is Dak Prescott making? And I mean, thirty-four you're,
1: million this year. You're you're
2: the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Does it get any better? You know, but at the same time, he's still going through some problems. So I think it just helps from you know kids out there, teenagers, or even grown men or grown women pick your pick your person. It just helps when you see people that you think are successful that are going through tough times, that can help you relate to them a little bit, and maybe that's what they need to get through
1: as well. Yeah, the, anybody who's relatable, is a, it's a big thing, and especially in the NFL, where the platform is so big. So, uh, shout out to, and a salute to those guys for using the platform. I know they... The, the, what I mean, the great thing about this one is they didn't sit there on a podium and, and get together and say, hey, look what we're going to do. They didn't even know this moment was captured, the moment. right? Yeah. Uh, so, it just tells you a little bit more about bottom uh so hayden hurst and dak prescott two pretty good guys and who have been through a lot and been willing to share a lot uh to to your point so i think uh it'll be something to watch down the road hats off uh to those guys and and, you know we are seeing it in 2020 just this willingness for the athlete to take a stand to share their background to share their vulnerabilities and to use their platforms from Black Lives Matter to thoughts on a pandemic to mental health to the latest in the last 24 hours, which really has gone even more so than that. Brianna Taylor, and this is ongoing. It's the it's a I think you can make the case. I don't want to overstate, but it's like the most courageous it feels like athletes have ever been. Yeah, to be willing to step in that territory that part of the arena
2: you know it's funny because we talk about all the time with contract negotiations and things like that and how the modern era nfl athlete could be the most you know quote-unquote soft person or the most selfish person but at the same time i don't think any other generation right now of athletes have sparked more conversation and have sparked more self-awareness to the communities out there Absolutely. so props to them
1: no doubt who you got tonight
2: next question see this t-shirt come on man let's go <laughs> let's go with another minchu monday baby i'll see you that monday God save the Jags. God save the Jags, man. This is one of those <laughs> London specials that I got. I ah, like yeah, I've yeah, never yeah, seen yeah. that one before. Yeah, yeah you, really know up. you know what's I up. I just
1: like put all that together. Yeah, I've been, yeah like, sure. Next to you for three ooh, hours. Ooh, uh, a punk rock coming at you. Thirty-one twenty-three. Jaguars win tonight. Let's see what happens. Hope we're right. We'll talk all about it tomorrow. Enjoy the game, everybody. Going off to do countdown to kickoff at 6:30 on Fox 30. And we'll have you all covered all night long, post-game show included. So make sure you tune in to Fox 30 tonight. Thanks for hanging with us on ESPN 690. We'll see you again more.